Hello, friends. Today's guest is my my good friend, somebody who I've spent, I don't know, maybe 48 hours with, and I can say is definitely a brother of mine. Daniel Carcillo, the car bomb himself, uh, came on the show. He flew himself out from Chicago. He stayed at my house. We went super deep for about five hours in the evening after eating a nice meal that Tosh prepped for us. And uh, I got to find out all sorts of cool shit about this guy. And we dropped in for a killer podcast, which, I mean, to be perfectly honest, we could have recorded the whole fucking conversation we had at the house for five hours, and it would have been uh, insanely awesome. I try to distill a lot of those nuggets into what he's gleaned from his journey post-NHL experience and um, everything that he's into now. And one of the cool things that we talk about on this show is his work with a company called Decriminalized Nature, and they're working to decriminalize all things nature, all psychoactive plants and plant medicines that are found in nature from peyote to wachuma to ayahuasca to iboga to psilocybin mushrooms. And, uh, you know, first we heard about Denver decriminalizing psilocybin mushrooms. Obviously that's, that's a big place, but, uh, they had one of the first to make cannabis recreational. And so not, not that far out in the woods to, to see that happen there. Oakland became, I think the first big city to decriminalize all plant medicines. And what's cool is companies like Decriminalized Nature, organizations rather, are working actively to help other major cities. And Dan has been a big part of that movement in Chicago. And it looks like right now uh, it's going to go through. So keep your fingers crossed. Uh, Chicago will be the largest city in North America to decriminalize all plant medicines. Um, but we dive into that and so much more on the podcast Remember to support us by leaving us a review, click subscribe, that way you don't miss an episode, and for sure, help us out by digging into some of our sponsors. Wabe is absolutely one of my favorite CBD products I've ever taken. They have one of the best tasting flavors that I've ever had is the cinnamon flavor. It's a 100% organic, USDA certified organic farm. They use 100% CO2 extraction. That means no nasty additives or anything that's in there. No pesticides, herbicides, nothing that's going to hurt you. It tastes phenomenal. Cinnamon is my favorite by far, but they have an unflavored as well as a lemon flavor. And they've also got some really cool drinks coming out that are water-soluble sodas that have no sweeteners, no carbohydrates, nothing nasty in it. And of course, they have some really dope new cream. So check them out at wave.com slash Kyle. That's W-A-A-Y-B.com slash Kyle for 10% off any of their products. And last but not least, the Onnit Apparel line has evolved a lot over the years, from primal t-shirts to our ops trucker hats, and we strive to make it better and better. Now we're designing custom performance gear right here at Onnit HQ with input from athletes and trainers that are able to really put these garments to the test. After months of R&D, we're releasing the latest additions to our training tech collection that include stretch tees, shorts, and the next generation of tech tees. So if you're looking for another way to optimize your workout, this gear was designed just for that. Check them out at onnit.com slash Kyle for 10% off. And remember, if you hit up kingsboo.com and leave me your email address, you're going to see literally every supplement I take. And don't worry, I'm not just a homer putting out only Onnit supplements on there. I show you the Onnit supplements that I take most consistently for cognitive function and pre-workout and sleep. And of course, I include everything else some of which are in a legal gray area. So you can get all that cool information by leaving me your email. I'm not going to bombard you with a ton of emails. You'll get one monthly newsletter after the welcome letter, which is going to let you know which guests I have coming up on the show, what cool wisdom and information I've gleaned from the guests, 
and anything that I find to be fascinating from the books that I'm reading to the different protocols that I'm trying out right now. So get that all at kingsboo.com. Thank you guys for tuning into the show. And I know this is going to be a good one. Check out my boy, Daniel Carcillo. All right, we've been clapped in. <laughs> Fucking very excited. <laughs> it's it's uh it's a really cool thing. I, I'm positive that I watched you in the Stanley Cup final. And I would say, if I'm being perfectly honest, I'm I'm a casual fan of hockey. I like watching the, I don't have like a favorite team, even though I'm from San Jose and I've fought at the Shark Tank. Um, you know, but I follow the guys. I'm, I'm buddies with a few. And uh, you know, we talked about sharing some experiences with Colin Wilson and a lot of lot of um I got a lot of love for the game. But it was only when a friend told me everything that you're into now where I was like, holy shit, I have to get him on the podcast. Right. This is phenomenal. And it's cool how how those, how you know, how small the world is. For we sure. really realize like there's only a few degrees of separation from anybody. Mm-hmm. But we got you here. We, you came in last night doing some some work with your business partner. And then uh, we had dinner and got to talking for about four hours and yeah. went pretty deep. Yeah, We should sure. have had a fucking mic set up for, no for the doubt. dinner conversation. No doubt. Well, let's jump in. We got a lot to cover. Um, one thing I always like to do is just get background. So talk about life growing up. You grew up in, in Toronto? <clears throat> yeah, I grew up in a, a small town, uh, King City, Ontario, about uh, when I was growing up there, 10,000 people. It's now exploded to 30,000. <laughs> uh, but very, um, a very small community. Everybody knew each other. Never lock your back doors, never lock your car. Uh, and everything revolved around the hockey rink. Uh, so from a very young age, if you weren't playing hockey, you weren't like you weren't a cool kid. You weren't in the in crowd, so to speak. Um, and from a very young age, I really resonated with the game because of um, it, it was my emotional release. You know, uh, when I was growing up, um, there were things in my upbringing that didn't really sit well with me, um, and uh, and I was able to go to the rink and just unload all of that stuff. And hockey was. It's probably like the best anger management. You know, Theo Fleury talks about it a lot, and you can you can really get a lot out on the ice. And um, what I was really attracted to, I think, is now in doing all of this research, understanding that flow state. And um, you know, when you're playing hockey and you're so singularly focused, everything just all the exterior stuff just disappears. Um, so I really love that aspect of it. And then, obviously, growing up in it the more camaraderie that I had with teammates and, and, uh, how connected we were and singularly focused on doing that, uh, doing something, uh, executing something, that same goal was really attractive to me. And, um, you know, I was never a kid that was like, I'm going to make the NHL. <laughs> um, and so I have, you know, other interests in life for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, I don't know, my higher power just, chose me to do that. And, um, a lot of really amazing things have happened in my life and I have everything, um, because of, you know, because of hockey, because of this game. Um, but, uh, there's been a lot of suffering too. And, uh, it's brought me to a point of, uh, trying to heal myself the last, uh, three and a half, almost four years, um, spiritually, mentally, physically, you know, and I think that's, you know, yeah. obviously why our paths crossed. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that, when you think of total human optimization, which is on its tagline, like that encompasses all the things, you know, it's not just the physical, it's not just about fitness. Right. Yeah. It's funny, you know, when you're talking about some of the childhood stuff kind of lights that fire, you know, and it's not, I don't want to paint with a broad brush and say that anybody who fights in the NHL or fights in MMA had it tough growing up. But I, I would say that 
probably the majority did, you know, probably the majority had something that lit that spark inside. And it's, it's a really cool thing to see if you learn how to funnel it and then you get other tools after hockey. But let's, let's talk about some of the, I mean, there's no doubt you've, you've been outspoken about (laughs) the NHL's treatments of players and the issue with round concussions. And, um, so we're, we're going to get into that. I want to talk about, you know, the medical history of your career, what mm-hmm. it's done, where it put the place it puts you in, some of your friends that are no longer here, and then we can yeah. get into some of the ways you dug out of that. Great. Um, yeah, so I think uh, a good place to start would be, um, you know, the physical toll. Um, you know, I, I kind of touched upon it uh, at the house this morning, but, uh, you know, when I left the game, uh, physically I was in a pretty bad place, uh, mentally a much darker place. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> basically in, in doing treatment, um, you have to prove that it's not a pre-existing condition. So what I did was I went to a chiropractor who just basically did a whole body scan, x-rays and CT scans of my whole body and handed me a booklet saying, all right, you got two horizontal tears and you're in both ankles, arthritis in the ankles. Um, I've had my ACL done on my left knee, my MCL done four times, no PCL on my right knee. Um, my MCL done five times on my right knee, arthritis in both knees, uh, orthoscopic hip surgery on my left hip, um, had my abdomen stapled back to my pelvis. I have no labrum in my left shoulder, um, arthritis in both hips, arthritis in my left shoulder, uh, you know, uh, arthritis in discs in my neck and numerous tears, um, and seven diagnosed concussions, um, two broken noses and three lost teeth. And, uh, you know, I've mentioned it before, like, you sign up for that. You know, I think you know that when you're playing such a physical game at such a a competitive level that there is going to be some physical ailments. Um, What almost uh, killed me were those seven diagnosed concussions and then the mental health complications that followed and the cognitive dysfunction. Um, We just never were told about anything. We weren't told about the risks. Um, And then you delve in after I see some of my friends pass away. They had 10 keys for the same deadbolt. Um, you know, after my friend Steve Monitor passed away, I went into a dealership in, in Chicago and they said, oh yeah, I talked to the manager. I talk to Steve every day. I'm like, why, why is he calling you every day? You know? Um, and he said that he would go into a restaurant or a mall, forget where his car was, and they'd have to beep it for him every oh, day. Shit. Um, so these things start to really weigh on you and, and, uh, scare you and, especially with what I saw him go through when he was at the Blackhawks. Uh, they cleared him for four concussions in just over 12 weeks. Uh, a lot of ultimatums. And, um, and then when he was suffering, nobody was there to help him. You know? um, so things have to change. You know? Things definitely have to change. And what you want to do is you want to try to honor, I want to try to honor Steve Monitor's legacy. You know? Because um, there's, a, there's a case moving forward now against the NHL. And I think it has the potential um, to change the world, to change the world as far as how we look at sp- sport-related concussion, which I told you yesterday, there's no such thing. So, like if you get it, if you leave here and you get into a car accident, you're probably not going to call me up and say, "Hey, I just got one of those car accident concussions." Right? <laughs> yeah. Like if your grandmother falls and she gets a concussion, she's not going to say, "Hey, honey, I, you know, I got one of those fall concussions. What do I do?" You know, so you start learning and delving into uh, these terms and why they were created. And they were created to confuse the public, to confuse jurors when these cases do go to trial. Um, 
So now, you know, it was a lot of fighting. It was a lot of frustration, a lot of anger, a lot of sadness over the last three years. And I think that came through a lot in my messaging. And uh, six months ago, I was like, ooh. Like, <laughs> Might have been a little strong. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> came in hot and everybody's telling you, you know, yeah. and um, but that's who I am. You know, and uh, social media is a weird thing because everybody on there is just doing so well. And <laughs> and I wasn't. And I wanted people to know that. Yeah. I want them to know when I'm sick, you know, because I think, I think now in talking about this, and I haven't talked about it a lot, you're probably the first guy that I'm really going to go in depth with what, is, what I've done the last six months to turn my life around. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's... Uh, it's been a it's been a super long journey, um, but really really rewarding. And now in a in a place of um, gratitude for all of the suffering. Yeah. Because now we're sitting here being able to you know really really vibe on a deep level about brain health and about you know fitness and about the nootropics and just uh, plant medicine. You yeah, know? I want to so. dive into all of that for sure. I'm sure we'll spend uh, the bulk of the conversation there. <laughs> but talk a bit about how that verbiage and language is used to withhold treatment. I mean, you guys pay a significant amount of money each month to the NHL Players Association for insurance. Talk about how they word things in a way to withhold the ability to treat you guys. Simple things, uh, pre-existing conditions. So I'll just, uh, you go to a dentist, right? I went to a dentist to fix my teeth. Um, and uh, it, I, I told them, I'm like, you can't say that I'm a grinder because of hockey. You can't say that my bottom row of teeth are basically null and void because of, you know, all the Red Bull and you get home and you're just, you know, still jacked up when you're going to bed and you're grinding. Um, you just, you, I, I ask people to just say, hey, you know, he's coming in because he is a grinder, not because of hockey, right? So as soon as you say that, they cover the claim. But anything with a pre-existing condition, um, they really, they won't cover it. And they won't cover any of my post-concussive syndrome treatments. Um, they won't cover anything from like a brain plasticity center. And that's just the NHLPA. I pay over $2,300 a month, okay, um, in an insurance premium where I really get nothing back from it, but my family's taken care of. So that's okay. Um, and uh, that's, that's one side of it. And then I have these two workers' comp cases open with the Blackhawks because after I saw what happened to Steve, um, you know, everybody was kind of saying, you know, you should file. You should file for workers' comp. You know, they don't acknowledge head trauma. They don't even talk. They don't say the word concussion, right? Um, so there's really no treatment. There's no diagnosis. There's no proper understanding. There's no care. And um, you have to, um, you've got you've to almost do the research on your own, you know? And in seeing, you know, what was going on with me and then what happened with Steve, um, it scares you into, you know, a place of, whoa, uh, I thought I was under the best care in the world, you know? And uh, when I filed for those workers' comp cases, I thought that I'd be covered. But again, <laughs> now the Blackhawks, I send in my bills to them after the NHLPA insurance um, denies me, and then they deny me. Um, so, and they say that it's unreasonable treatment. That's why they won't cover me. Mm. So I asked them, what is reasonable treatment? You're a league and you're a team, you're an entity, one of the biggest entities in that league that refuses to acknowledge a link between repetitive head trauma and CTE. 
So please tell me what, what the treatment looks like that I should be doing, you know? And, um, they want to settle these cases, these two concussion cases for $10,000. And I want them to cover my treatment for the rest of my life. So I will not waver on that. Yeah. Um, and just to put that in perspective, 10 grand is exactly how much it costs for you to go to the neurology center, correct? <laughs> yeah. That's just uh, one place. Yeah. And that's, uh, and we'll, if we'll, that 10 grand is tax free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and we'll get into that. We'll yeah. get into the efficacy of some of the treatments that you've had because you've, you've, and I think a lot of us do this when we really want to dive into something. Um, usually there's, there's some catalyst for that, right? Like you have to lose your health to make health a priority right. or you have to lose your cognitive function and your everyday sense of peace and have that replaced with anxiety and depression to mm. really want to dive into that. And of right. course that, that is the case here. Right. Mm -hmm. But then you learn everything and you reach for whatever's out there and some stuff sticks and some stuff doesn't. Yeah. I mean, the last three years I almost got, I feel like I almost got caught in big pharma for concussions with all these treatments. Um, None of them are evidence-based. They work for three months and then they disappear. And I've been told if you do this and you put the work in and you leave here and you don't get hit in the head, you'll be like this for the rest of your life. You know, a lot of these treatments talk about neuroplasticity, neuroregeneration, plant medicine, okay, <laughs> is neuroplasticity and neuroregeneration. Um, spinning around in a gyrostim in a certain way, I don't know, you know, show me the evidence. Because I could show you the evidence of plant medicine and how it's helped me yeah. in tons of studies, double-blind placebo studies even, you know? So I want to see that, you know? And um, to your point, yeah, I mean, things happen in, happened in my life in that last year of, of my career where it really pushed me and opened my eyes. Um, you know, my last season was 2015. My son was born in November. Steve passed away in February. Uh, after a year and a half of really struggling. And after that happened, I was just spiritually, mentally done, you know? Um, and uh, I remember I got a phone call when I was getting dressed. My phone kept buzzing and buzzing. I never checked my phone, you know? And it might sound, you know, might sound weird or bad, but like I knew Steve was not in a good place. I just didn't know how to help him, you know? Um, and so Missy called me, uh, and, uh, I picked up the phone. I don't know why I picked up the phone and she told me that Steve's gone. And, you know, I'm like, wow. Um, I kind of knew I was going to get that phone call, um, at some point, you know, um, it really hit me. It really hit me hard. I tried to go into the room, get dressed. I was kind of sobbing. Um, Johnny Taves was like, Hey man, what's going on? Come in, come in the other room, you know? And I was just like, oh. <laughs> told him like Steve's gone you know um tried to um you know he gave me a hug we gathered myself don't show right you gotta mm -hmm. be tough like don't distract anybody from 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 the game you know we got a game to play um but meanwhile life is happening yeah. you know and uh and so I, I you know I got my stuff on sucked it up went around did a few laps and then I'm just like I saw a Steve Monitor jersey in the in the stands I'm mm. boom like just bawling my eyes out, you know, in warm up, and got right off the ice after about two or three minutes. Walked right down to Coach Quimbo's office and just in, you know, just bawling. Uh, he hugged me. And he's like, "I just found out, um, you know, go home, 
you know, take your stuff off and um, just super impactful with, with everything that I saw him go through. And then it really, it really starts, you start to wonder like, wow, okay, I've been through addiction. I've been through all this, you know, I've had six concussions and then fast forward to March, the month later, guess what happens? They, I haven't played a game for 20 or 30, 30 games. And then they stick me in, in a game against Philadelphia Flyers because we're already in the playoffs. And you know, my job is to protect these guys. And so here you go, Dan, you know, and, uh, I end up getting my seventh concussion. Uh, and I wanted to fight. I want to feel something else. You know, I don't want to feel this sadness and this, and this, this frustration. And so I wanted the guy to hit me, you know, that's how much pain I was in. And, um, after that seventh concussion, I remember the symptoms were just oof, really, really bad. Uh, I couldn't look at my phone. Um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. Uh, light sensitivity, speech, certain speech, loss of appetite, really just loss of motivation to even go into the rink. Um, and, uh, you know, that scared me into thinking about, you know, retirement. And I did. I ended up retiring uh, after that season. Um, because of my symptoms just never went away, you know, and, uh, ended up winning the Stanley cup that year, my second Stanley cup. And I was so angry at the league and at the Blackhawks, like that they called me for the banner raising, right. To come in a suit and I didn't go. I just did not want to be there. I was one of 25 guys that won the Stanley cup last year you know, in 2015. And I did not want to go to that rink. Like, that's the place that I was in, you know. And so you continue on this journey now, and I fell into addiction um, after my career. Signs and symptoms that I didn't recognize, that I've never been educated on, wondering what the heck is happening to me. Uh, you lose that sense of self, your purpose. Like, it's yeah. just like the, the onslaught. And then my, sink. then my grandfather passed away. My number one fan. Nobody in my family or even around me, these are the first two deaths in my life, plus retirement, <laughs> plus a kid being born. You know, yeah. all this stuff's coming at me and I couldn't handle it. I just wanted to numb out. And so I did for a while until I had uh, the aha moment when my son was starting to put two and two together when he was six or seven months old. And he's like looking at me one day. I'm like, oh boy, he's starting to formulate thoughts. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go packed a bag, went to Malibu, you know, and, uh, and got healthy. And then ever since then, it's been a, a journey to, to just regain my brain health and regain that impulse control, those impulse. I had a lot of impulse control issues, uh, regained my sleep, communication with my wife, um, you know, empathy. <laughs> yeah. Like I was just fighting everybody and everything around me for, you know, um, for, for a good three years until about six months ago um, when I got introduced to well, let's talk medicine, about that, you know? You, yeah. you did, a, you did a, um, a post recently. I mean, it'll be, by the time this comes out, it'll probably be a couple months ago on Twitter that, that just blew me away. And uh, so you had the scan. Was the scan right before the plant medicines or right around? Because that, that was about six months ago, right? April 3rd, yeah. Um, it, was in a, it, was a, it was at a time where... I exhausted all options, treatment options. I'd paid well over six figures out of my own pocket. Um, and I was in a position where I couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> I don't know how that's sustainable for anybody. Um, and so 
Um, I go in, QEEG uh, basically maps your uh, neurological pathways of the brain waves, uh, delta, theta, beta, and um, uh, uh, compares those results to somebody your age. Okay. Um, and I got that test, and that test sent me into really bad depression, anxiety, and then ultimately. Because the test results were shit. Brutal, man. Um, just no good. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I've tried moxa acupuncture, functional neurology, cranial sacral, ART, uh, simple stuff like reflexology, changing my diet, um, you know, certain drugs, um, and nothing, nothing worked, you know? So that was, that's where, and I talk about this a lot, hopelessness sets in without any other options, right? Um, and thank gosh that uh, I had this trip planned uh, with a former teammate of mine, uh, Riley Cote, um, to Boulder, Colorado. And he wanted to introduce me now that I didn't have the rink, Jet Ice, with the little kids and then and the rink inside of the practice facility at MB. Now I was able to kind of like, okay, I can start dipping a toe into other things so these parents don't think I'm off the reservation, you know? <laughs> and um, ended up going there and, uh, and it saved my life. You know, I didn't do that QEEG thinking that, okay, I'm going to go get plant medicine and then I'm going to come back six months ago. I'm going to retest and it's going to look sick. Um, I just, I went there searching. I was at the end of my rope, you know, um, I'm a 34 year old man. I have a car, I have a roof over my head. I have three beautiful children. I have a beautiful wife and I want to kill myself. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so I had to figure out how to break myself out of that. And um, they introduced me to a hero dose. Psilocybin. Psilocybin, yeah. And um, oh, 90 minutes of like a, a dry heave purge, uh, which was like <laughs> the anxiety and the depression coming out. And it, it showed me that I was stuck in this loop. You know, I didn't recognize the farm that I was on, but I was stuck in this loop and... Um, and Jeremy from Boulder Hemp and Riley were just there to guide me. Riley came to me. Uh, his face was skewed out. He looked like um, a reincarnation of God. Oh, wow. And, um, and Jeremy, when he put his hand on me to kind of calm me down, it was like, whoa, how big is your hand, man? <laughs> it's like super warm and comforting. And um, what I found there was that anytime I walked away from them, I got back into that loop. Anytime I was connected to them, I felt so good but I kept wanting to walk away. So I felt this pull of like good and evil. And, um, it, it, and then the next morning I wake up and I'm, I feel different. Um, and I, I'm not stressing about the same things anymore. It seems like, um, you know, that I've, I really like that analogy from Michael Pollan uh, of, the, of the fresh snow. Yeah. Right. Uh, that you can go, now you can go, now it's, it's all open for you, right? Now yeah. you don't have to continue to live the same way where I was fighting everything. So my cortisol levels were spiked and um, just super impactful. And then I'm like, okay, I'm a science-based guy, okay? If I do a workout to my trainer, you tell me why I'm doing single leg, tell me. Oh, well, for my VMO? Okay, great. I'll do it. Um, tell me and then and delving in like, okay, why do I feel this way now? So then delve into the research. You want to talk about neuroplasticity and neuroregeneration? Plant medicine, psilocybin specifically, does that for you. And you can't deny science. You could go to John Hopkins University publications. There's over 60 studies 
try to deny that. You could deny me all day long, my anecdotal evidence. You can't deny science. Um, and so that hero dose saved my life. No doubt in my mind. No doubt. And, uh, and I've, I've been on a path ever since of continuing um, to grow my own medicine now. I'm growing my own CBD, uh, researching uh, more about mushrooms and not just psilocybin, turkey tail, lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps, um, shown in double-blind placebo studies to break up amyloid protein. Amyloid protein that causes Parkinson's, Alzheimer's. Yeah, and that CTE. All that shit know? goes up. You know, you yeah. look at CTE, you have abnormally high levels of amyloid beta plaque and tau proteins, which are both linked to all neuro neurodegenerative neurodegenerative diseases. There for we sure. Go. <laughs> yeah, it's a big word. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like, and for, for the pollen thing, for people who haven't read How to Change Your Mind, it's a great book. He basically, he correlates the plant medicine experience and with psilocybin specifically to like a mountain that everyone's been snowboarding and skiing on, right? And so there are grooves. If it hasn't snowed in a while, there are grooves of where people take their paths. That's how our brain works, mm -hmm. right? Neurons that fire together, wire together. Mm -hmm. So we hit those same paths and then it's very easy just to jump on the same path that you've done a hundred times and everyone else has done, right? Right. So that fresh powder allows you when there's enough of it to choose a new lane, right. to choose a new course in life. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful analogy. My view of the world was skewed. I thought everybody was out to get me. And the way I was raised in that hockey world and I was a fighter, um, I'm going to fight. I'm not a flight guy, even in the real world, you know? Um, and uh, it just allowed me to think of things differently. And then, and then what it did was it allowed me to change my negative self-talk, which I think was huge for me. Um, you know, I'd wake up at 8 a.m. and I'd be like, oh, what the, what the fuck? Like, get up at 7.30, you know? Whereas now it's like I wake up at 8 a.m. I'm like, huh, I'm in a pretty good place. Thank gosh I'm not getting up at 3. Yeah. Like I have been the last, you know, two or three years. You know, and so I'm able to pat myself on the back and I'm able to motivate myself now, which was not the norm. I operated out of anger, strictly out of anger, out of frustration. Um, I thought that that's how you had to play the game, you know, and um, it couldn't be further from the truth. Like now I think about energy, I think about hate, anger, frustration, and I think about love, happiness, Depression, and like being in the moment. Acceptance. You get so much more energy yeah. from being happy. So why is everybody teaching these athletes, specifically in hockey, if you're not suffering, you didn't play hard, you know? I mean, I don't think that that adage, I don't think that that type of thinking has to exist anymore. I think athletes could be more conscious. In turn, they'll be more creative. They'll be more focused, you know? Um, so I would like to try to educate and uh, in that shift, you know, give guys maybe another another avenue to think about how they're actually playing the game. Um, when I went to rehab when I was 25 in my career, spirituality totally changed how I played the game. Because now I was thinking about, wait a minute, like I'm actually punching this. My goal is to knock this guy out. And then it's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and it was hard for me to do it. Because now I was so present before I was numbed out. Yeah. You know, and uh, I always, I always say this, my first five years in my career, I was a bad person. I was a bad teammate. I only cared about myself and I would slit your throat with my skate if it meant getting to the NHL. And then I had all those injuries, those first five years that I, those major injuries. 
And uh, as soon as I found spirituality when I was 25, I went to the Stanley Cup Finals uh, four times with three different teams in my last five years in the NHL. Show me anybody else who's done that in the history of the NHL. Nobody. Why does that happen to me? Some kid from King City. It's because I changed my life, you know, and I, and not that I hate to quote Drake, but <laughs> uh, um, when you're living the right way, your luck is a sure thing. Yeah. You know, because there's no reason that I should have gone to the Stanley Cup finals four different times with three different teams. So specifically when I left the Blackhawks, I started with LA Kings, got traded to the Rangers. Guess who we met in the Stanley Cup finals? LA Kings. <laughs> it's like, you know, you start, you start correlating and, and thinking about the past. When you're in the present moment, all this stuff is just coming to you. Even like now, right? I'm in the present moment. And I, I, don't, I don't know why I find myself here in Austin and, you know, uh, talking to you. And I've been following you guys for a really long time super interested in, in what you guys are doing changing consciousness you know um so yeah it's just it's been a <laughs> it's been a pretty cool journey like how it comes full circle like that yeah and you've worked quite a bit with the plant medicines the last six months yeah and you said uh your post yesterday was that you had the inclination with how good you've been feeling and how much your life has changed to go and retake the test yeah i guess i didn't finish that story yeah so i went to retake the test and then yesterday i got an email saying that I have zero abnormalities. Brain is fucking perfect. Clear. Clear. And the reason I really love plant medicine is because I, I feel like I did it myself. I did. Yes, Riley called me. Yes, he helped save my life. Um, but when, when I work with these medicines now, it's on my own. Yeah. Because I want that. You know, and I want that for people. I want people to be able to heal themselves. You know, um, obviously these treatments, they have their place, right? And I'm not knocking them. SSRIs, they have their place. They give people with depression a fighting chance, right? But there are alternative ways to heal yourself. And so that's kind of, that's my message, you know? Look at every option. Look at everything so that you don't lose hope and you don't slide into that suicidal ideation, right? Yeah. Um, if it's really, it is just about options and knowledge. If we're aware that these things exist and we're aware of what their potentials are, that's where we really can see, you know, like, Hey, I've, I've tried everything else. Maybe I will give that a shot. Right. You know, and you, we see the efficacy. You know? Right. We, I told you, you got to see the trailer, but, uh, this last weekend in Sedona, <laughs> we all watched fantastic fungi. It's a, it's a documentary that's coming out specifically on, on all mushrooms, including psilocybin. Paul Stamets is in it. Michael Pollan. Dennis McKenna, uh, who else? Roland Griffiths from, from uh, he's one of the leading researchers at Johns Hopkins. They just did a $17 million facility that mm -hmm. was funded in part by Tim Ferriss and a few other people. Craig Nuremberg, one of my homies from FFS, was, was a donor. Unreal. And um, the movie's just fucking incredible. And he gets right. into the science behind all these different types of fungi, including psilocybin, including the research that's coming out because of the movement. And as we see this shift, it's really cool to, to fucking witness it, to know nice. like we are, it, Rogan talks about it all the time, like what a special time to be alive. We got to see the cell phone invented. We got to see, you know, the internet invented. And if you go back in time, 200 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, life didn't change much generation to generation. Right. It was very much the same. And right. now we're on a fucking rocket ship ride. We are. You know, and maybe we'll even see super intelligent AI. Like if you follow <laughs> yeah. Nick Bostrom and guys like that, maybe we see that by the time we die. But nothing is more impactful 
or important to me than these tools that help reshift our consciousness. And this is a conversation we had last night at dinner was the beautiful thing about all these tryptamine-based psychedelics and even some of the non-tryptamine-based, you know, we have MDMA, which is not necessarily a, a, a considered a true psychedelic, ketamine as well. Many of them have the ability to heal the brain on a physical level, mm -hmm. but where they go further is that they're healing you consciously. They're mm -hmm. healing you mentally, emotionally. They're mm -hmm. healing you spiritually. They're allowing you to see a bigger picture that was previously not visible, mm -hmm. right? And that was a huge message, message I got um, on, on way too much acid on a mountain <laughs> in Sedona was that, you know, God is in all things. It is, it is conscious, but I don't perceive that. I'm not aware of that if I'm living in a state of fear. Mm. If I'm in panic, if my cortisol and adrenaline are jacked through the roof, that connection to source is gone. Right. And if God and source are words that bother you, if you're an atheist, that's fine. Just think of that as your highest knowing, mm -hmm. your intuition. No one can deny that. No. Like when shit just starts clicking for you, you're tuned in. And that's what happens in a state of flow. That's right. what happens in a state of peace. If you're in fucking panic and you're go, go, go all the time getting, you know, caffeine's the world's favorite drug, right? If you're hopped up on that shit and you don't have a, a practice of stillness, you can't tune into that. Right. And I think that's one of the greatest things that these plants teach us right. is how to find that peace and build the bridge. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, staying in the moment, you know, it's, they've really helped me to stay in the moment. And when I'm in the moment, then I can recognize when my depression and anxiety are starting to creep into my life again, because I know my triggers. I know my signs when I'm isolating, I'm not texting or calling anybody back and I'm either uh, oversleeping or undersleeping. Those are my three big triggers. And, you know, I'd love to get to a point in, in society where we're not like, oh, my gosh, I want to kill myself. Now I need to get treatment. Yeah. You know, there can be preventative measures that you can take. And that's why I love the plant medicines, because as soon as I'm feeling that or when I need to go in for messaging for this business that I'm creating or I can go in my basement with $10 in my hand and go into my own mind and work it out. And come out of that five, six hours later with a totally new perspective and a way of thinking, you know, and I truly believe even when my anxiety and depression come now, because there's good and bad days, it's lessened, less intense. I truly believe if I keep working with these medicines in a shamanic manner, I will not suffer from anxiety and depression. Yeah. I believe that, you know, because no I can feel that. No doubt. We talked know? about that too, like the... You know, there's no doubt microdosing has its place and it's fantastic. And, and I recommend the book, Psychedelic Explorer's Guide by Jim Fadden, Fadiman often because of the fact that he spent 30 years researching it. And right. there's a lot of benefit to that. Um, I'm going to have to put that. I won't pull out my phone, but yeah, last night I'm, I'm, I'm just, one. I'm pulling up. Yeah, we're, we're trading <laughs> wait, wait a minute, what's sure. that one? What's this one? What's that one? Yeah. And uh, But when it comes to, you know, like the hero's dose, the ceremony level, you know, it just unpacks so much. Right. It's doing so much more for us than we can possibly realize. And um can't fight it off at five grams, right? No, you it's it's, it's coming. It, it's it's forced surrender, whether yep. you want to or not. The longer you spend in resistance, you know, the the harder it is. Well, that's right? like the so-called, you know, people talk about bad trip. Try to work with these medicines. You know, they will show you your biggest fears and they'll put it right in front of your face, you know. And so I think like there's this there's this view in society of these medicines is like um, like what the anti-war culture did with it, you know. But really, 
they are not, in my experience, they're not that easy to work with, you know, yeah. and, and you really have to be motivated enough to, to start, to start working with it. You know, um, you have like a warrior spirit and I can feel that. And so do I. And so, you know, I'm definitely interested in other plant medicines as well. You know, we touched upon like the decriminalized nature of Chicago movement that we have going on and, and that will help decriminalize all etheogens. Not just psilocybin, not just MDMA through maps, ketamine through maps, you know? Um, that's like a really amazing place. And to your point, like I'm so grateful that I was born in 1985. Internet wasn't invented, you know? You got to you see it before it happened, You still right? have to remember, uh, you know, phone numbers. Uh -huh. You knew like where your buddies were by where all the bikes were in the front lawn. Um, and then you had a pager. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then you had a flip phone one four three and yeah and you were like i'm a huge music guy and i was i remember record play at the right time on the radio if you wanted to burn uh <laughs> a song off of the radio you know right as soon as that dj stops talking uh and then there were cds now there's the mp3s now there's these phones my last trip with plant medicine really showed me um how addictive that is yeah you know, and um, and how to how to use it in a healthy manner, not in the morning, not right before I go to bed, um, you know, using it correctly, because I hear these terms like digital dementia, you know, and I see it like I see it in my kids. Yeah. Give them a phone, try to talk to them. Austin, 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 he's gone. He's gone. And you can see that. And then, you know, there's studies that are coming out now. On the white matter of your brain and and what these screens are doing to people you know so it's funny that like the mushrooms showed me that you know they showed me that pull and i was like wow i shouldn't touch my phone because that's not allowed and i was like you know what maybe i will open up twitter dark oh my <laughs> gosh that place is so dark you know Instagram, ah, a little bit better, more positive. I get more shit on Instagram, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I am I am talking about things that are ruffling some feathers for sure when we <laughs> when we do these Q and A's with my wife. Yeah, but um, I mean it's great. If you're ruffling feathers, that means that you're triggering people. And if you feel triggered, that means there's something inside of you that you should probably look at. That's the way I say it. You know, like with this TBI stuff, all these hockey fans hate me. Hate me. Because I'm offering this new way of thinking and I'm offering this new way of treatment. And I'm actually showing them how badly these people, human beings, are suffering Yeah. for their entertainment. Why should I care? You guys get paid enough. Yeah. Well, I, we get the same shit in fighting, you know. And, and uh, you look at the NFL. I played football since I was 10, finished at Arizona State. I, I even had like a feeling around when they changed the hitting rules in the NFL mm. where it was like, uh, I know they need to do this, but it's going to change the game, right? Me too. And, and the whole thing is you see what happened to Junior Seau and a laundry list of other people, Ugh. and you're like, it has to change. Right. It has to change in some way. It's not going to ruin the game. It's just going to change the game. But right. most importantly, it's how the game gets changed off the ice. Right. It's how it gets changed off the field. It's how it gets changed outside the octagon Right. where we can be a bit more preventative. Yes. Also open up what's in the medicine cabinet? You know, what are the tools we use to treat these things? I had, uh, I told you this last night, but we had Alex Gray and Allison Gray on the podcast. And, um, you know, of course, they're, they're the visionary artists that have 
done some really amazing artwork uh, on the medicine. And they've been on Rogan's a couple of times and, and on Aubrey's show. And so the conversation we had was in large part around the entire modern history of psychedelics. Mm. And it was fascinating. But when it ended, we had other great conversations. One of the things we talked about is this study. They retroactively looked at NFL players with CTE and compared it to all the players who were um, known cannabis users yeah. and known THC users specifically. And mm -hmm. what they found is that if these guys were smoking before, during, and after cannabis, they had way less injury from the trauma and they were able to get back on the field hmm. faster. Mortality rates too. Yeah. There's another study on that with mortality rates for TBI, people that are using cannabis and people that aren't. And you, so you think about those things, you know, and it's, and it's maybe it's not an invitation for everybody to be walking around stoned, but <laughs> if you like it, just know it is helping your brain. And if you, if you are going to get hit in the head, maybe there's the right dose you can find where you are able to sleep better. You're not blown out of the water. I mean, Fuck everybody. It's funny. Like I was in California when it was medical and, and we were voting for recreational and a lot of elderly people were telling me their horror stories of eating too much of an edible. And I'm like, look, that <laughs> I've fucking been down that road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not fun. I'd fun. rather have seven or 10 grams of psilocybin than have right. too much THC. I like agree. no fucking doubt. Right. You know? So, I mean, there's, but you know, with these tools, there's a right way and a wrong way to do anything. There's a right way and a wrong way to set up a ceremony. Um, and, you know, I mean, uh, Fadiman talks about that in the Psychedelic Explorer's Guide, too. Like, he, most of his research is on microdosing. Of course, he's gone deep. Right. And he lets you know the best practices in getting there. Right. So if that is something you're interested in, I think it's it's really important to actually do your homework yeah. and investigate and learn as much as you can before you set forth on, you know, a fucking big journey, right? Yeah. I mean, well, for all these people talking shit about cannabis um, and wondering, like, uh, about the war on drugs, Go and look at the U.S. government. The U.S. government in 2003 took out patents on all cannabinoids as antioxidants, anti-inflammation, and neuroprotectant. Specifically, why is the U.S. government taking patents out in 2003 if they don't know that this stuff works? Just ask yourself that question and it blows up every other, every other argument. There's not many medical research studies because the war on drugs, yeah. you know, and the big pharma, you know, and like the more I'm in this cannabis space and farming, man, the more you realize everything around us is geared to make us sick. And it's, it's all like the food that we're eating, right? And you really have to seek it out and be diligent to get around it. Yeah, you perfect know? example of that is like, People seem to have this uh, this inclination. That there's two things that are going wrong. One, we put all our faith in our doctors. Mm. And like Western medicine is great for a lot of things. I have a working shoulder because of the surgery I got on it, right? right. Um, but you look at other, you know, so we, we, give, we give blind faith to our doctors and we give blind faith to our government. Like why would mm. they put, why would they put aspartame in gum? Like mm. that would be illegal if it was bad for me. But you look at other countries, in particular the Nordic countries, and aspartame is completely banned throughout right. the entire country. It's hmm. not allowed, right? Hmm. It's a neurotoxin. All it takes is your body temperature raising to 102 degrees Fahrenheit, and it's a neurotoxin. Oh That's an artificial sweetener well, that becomes a that. neurotoxin at 102 degrees. Hmm. It's not allowed in the country. There are more Kentucky Fried Chickens in the world than there are McDonald's, right? What, ha what had to happen with Kentucky Fried Chicken to get in many of those countries? They had to change the Colonel's original recipe 
because the MSG in it exceeded their their countrywide law by like 30 times Colonel. the amount that they would allow. Ugh. Right? So you think about that. There are places, I mean, even fucking craft mac and cheese. You're not allowed to have a food that's that's I don't, I'm not sure if I'm wording this right, but you can't have food that's marketed to children that has anything fake in it. So they couldn't use um, yellow food coloring. They had to use, uh, I think it's, um, um, not amaretto, anatto. They had okay. to use anatto, a natural food dye to make it yellow, the cheese yellow. They could not use yellow food dye. And what happened? Kraft fucking did it and they sell mac and cheese in that country and they still turn a profit right. by making that one change. No one's being held accountable here. Right. And there's big money going into Congress to make sure they can get shit through. Mm -hmm. Big, big money. So, big I mean, money. it's not a conspiracy theory. It's not, you know, everyone's out to get us. It's just about money. And if you follow the money, you'll understand, like, okay, so what, how do we empower ourselves? It's by understanding this. It's by, if not becoming an expert or a master of these things, at least becoming aware and following right. masters and experts who can break it down. Right. I mean, it goes back to like the plant medicine and de-learning everything you think you know, you know, it wakes you up to everything around you, um, wakes you up to a new way of thinking, like a new way of operating, you know, uh, and then you start realizing, you start correlating, like, I'm not perfect, you know, I'll go to McDonald's and I'll have a burger sometimes, you know, um, and that, I think that's, that's okay, but I also understand Every time I drive past McDonald's, that pull, my body <laughs> wants me to go in there every day. My son asks me to go, every, you know? So understanding that correlation, once, you know, once a month might be okay. Um, it's uh, everything in this world, um, the more I'm in this cannabis space, I, it's just not sustainable. And we're in an amazing part of history where I think everybody's starting to, most people are starting to wake up. And you talk about faith in that white coat. No, no, no. That's not happening anymore. You know why? Because you're killing, you're killing young people with the drugs that you're giving them. These young people see that you are killing them. These young people know that if you push cannabis, the big pharma won't fly you to the Caribbean if you're not pushing their stuff. Yeah. So now that what are they doing? People are seeking out different avenues like you, like on it, to get their information. Functional medicine doctors, alternative yeah. medicine doctors. You see that whole world blowing up. It and, is. Um, and and it's, right amazing. it's amazing. It's amazing. And with that, we see a shift with, you know, general population, the G-pop, the general population. We also see a shift among Western medicine where people are now be becoming a bit more okay right. with some of these other treatments, right? And so it not, takes a long time. Travis Christofferson, who wrote, um, what's the name of the book? Uh, Tripping Over the Truth. And it's largely around um, the metabolic theory of cancer and how a ketogenic diet can help a lot of ailments. He has a new book coming out. You pull that up for me, Ryan? Uh, it should be out soon. If anybody knows, just yell it. Curable. Curable. That's right. And he gets into all hmm. the haphazard way we've done medicine and how indoctrinated that is in the ways that we can make that shift very quickly. You know, and he talks about all sorts of stuff from fecal transplants to fucking you name it. Like yeah. whatever has real efficacy that has really had an uphill battle in, in becoming an available treatment for people. Right. Well, think about plant medicine. What does it do? Gets to the root cause of your problem really quickly so that you don't need to take the daily drug to manage your symptoms. Yeah, that's something Gabramante talks about a lot, that the root of all addiction is trauma. 
Oh yeah, man. And so, no doubt. you know, it's not just a chemical issue you have with a specific drug. You're leaning on that crutch because mm -hmm. you don't want to face the thing that you may not even fucking remember right. at that point, right? But right. that's one of the beautiful things with the medicine, the plant medicines is you can, you know, all is revealed. You pull that curtain back and it allows you to process things with new eyes and new perspective. Right. But let's let's talk about that movement a bit because, you know, I'm from the Bay Area, born and raised, mm -hmm. and when Oakland passed the legalized nature, I was like, holy shit. I posted it to the gram. It was like the, the fucking, all I did was a repost. It was still <laughs> yeah. like the most popular post I ever put out there. For sure. And um, of course, my mom's like, you moving back to the Bay, boy? <laughs> I was like, nah. I Come I, home. I like it here in Austin. But, um, you know, I, I follow them now online and legalized nature had posted a thing where they say, you know, like any city you're in you can start this movement. Mm -hmm. You can get behind it yep. and and I'll let you fill in the blanks. This is really cool. It's kind of been made into um, a package you can take because yep. they know the way yep. to get it through. So They've talk about what it. you're doing with Chicago. Yeah, so Decriminalized Nature um, ended up uh, getting in contact with them. I believe I saw it on, um, again, you know, you delve into the research and I came across it. Um, uh, and then Oakland and Denver had successfully done it. They already have a resolution. All you have to do is bring it forth to your alderman's office and adapt the language uh, a little bit. Just basically take out Oakland and put in Chicago. Um, so I called them, tried to get connected with somebody in Chicago. There was this kid, Leo, who actually brought forth the resolution a day before. And he happened to bring it to Brian Hopkins' office. And Brian Hopkins, I just happened to teach how to shoot a puck uh, when I was uh, training at MB and training all the kids. And um, so I called him up. And I had his number and like, that's a God wink in itself. Right. And I'm, I'm on the right path here. And I'm like, Hey, what's up, Brian? Uh, remember when you said, if I teach you how to shoot, you'd do anything for me. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I want to bring forth this resolution. Uh, I want to talk about it with you. And I want you to look at this DNO fact sheet. And I want you to look at all of the medical studies, uh, linked to, um, addiction linked to recidivism, uh, linked to, um, you know, obviously the opiate crisis. And it's not, I see this as the first step, as the first step in allowing people to feel comfortable enough. It's almost like a stigma smasher that you can actually work with these medicines without fear of repercussion. Yeah. Right? Not so much legalization, just decriminalization. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we brought that forth. We've had really great discussions with Brian and his assistant, John. Is he a member of city council? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's a city council member. Uh, we were going to bring it forth on the 18th to the city council uh, to have it submitted to the committee. But what <clears throat> we want to do is not just go to Brian. We want to educate every single city councilman and woman on what this can do for the city of Chicago. Talk about the South Side and recidivism, uh, the inmate population and how these uh, plant medicines can help. You know, what happens when you take them? You're more empathetic. You're actually in the moment and thinking about what you're doing. It can help. And then uh, one of the big things is the opiate crisis in the Midwest. So those two things I were super interested in. Um, I just got an email yesterday that we're going to adapt some language to include the opiate and the recidivism. And after that, they're going to bring it forth. And uh, I talked to a lawyer um, who's on the team now, and she's actually a sitter. I have a psychiatrist who's going to come and talk. I have a veteran who's going to come and talk. I have myself as anecdotal and Leo. And we are just going to tell our story and um, to the committee and how these plants have saved us. And then you correlate that story back to the science 
how can they deny it? Can't. Right. And if you do, that's okay. Well, you know, we'll try again. Yeah. You can keep <laughs> yeah. trying, right? Yeah, for but sure. I think that's, it's such a beautiful movement and it's empowering to be able to get involved. If you've been touched by these things to get involved with your city council and with decriminalized nature and yeah. really start to push the dominoes forward. Right. Like as soon as you find a new treatment, it's like, all right, how do I use my platform to get this out to people in the right manner? Um, so that it can help because it can help. And that's what I'm all about. I'm all about, you know, free information. Here it is. Let's help people. Let's help people recognize signs and symptoms. Let's help people move into proper diagnosis and care, however that looks in whatever that looks, you know, and it always goes back to brain health. This, this thing up here, man, <laughs> operates everything, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, getting that right is, is really important. You know? Well, fuck yeah, brother. It's been, it's been so good having you here. It's been even better getting to have you at the house. Uh, I'll definitely be seeing you in Chicago. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Yeah, I mean, I want Wolfie to meet Bear for sure. <laughs> I have one question. I had a laundry list of uh, questions from my Blackhawk friends, yeah. my Blackhawk fans. And um, so they, they wanted to know what... I'm just going to ask one here because we got a jam. I got another podcast. Okay. Deep dish or thin crust? Thin. And they're what's gonna, your, and what's your favorite? <laughs> you just lost every fan in Chicago. All right. So so then where's your favorite thin crust in Chicago? Uh, Lou Malnati's. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. Lou Malnati's is the shit. Uh -huh. And if you want to try it, they will ship on dry ice. We figured that out. The last time I was in, uh, when I was living in Cali and fighting, uh, my buddy from Chicago, uh, Brad Teitelbaum, he fucking mailed us four big ass deep dish pies. I'm a deep dish guy. Yeah. And uh, they shipped on dry ice. You bake them in the oven, and they taste just as good as in Lou Malnati's. Nice. Like I was floored. And obviously, different ovens will cook it different. But right. there's a way you can get on that if you're Damn. if you really like to throw caution in the wind and might eat the have best to. pizza. Yeah, yeah, brother. To. My son loves pizza. Man. Where can people find you online? Uh, Instagram, Daniel Carcillo thirteen. Twitter, uh, Carbon Boom thirteen. Um, Facebook, Daniel Carcillo uh, Chapter Five Foundation. So I have. Um, a foundation that helps athletes transition into life after the game chapter next chapter in your life five because that was steve's number um and uh and yeah uh you know i'll be <clears throat> speaking out of um uh hope for the day uh, gala in chicago here coming up and just doing these mental health talks uh we're going to start a um a little bit of a tour of universities uh tbi related and brain health and recovery in canada uh in the spring so um, you know, I, uh, I just recently filed LLC, um, called open mind plant health. We're going to be a plant health based company. We're going to grow all our own CBD, CBG. We're going to grow all our own mushrooms and we're going to grow all our own specialty herbs to be put into the uh, product line that has helped me regain my quality of life. Well, so. I can't fucking wait to try them. I hope I get, I hope I get it ahead of time <laughs> oh, before yeah. anybody else does. For sure. You Dude, will. you've been fucking awesome. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and, and we'll do it again in the future. Same man. Yeah. Thank awesome, you so brother. much. Thank you guys for tuning into the show today with Daniel Carcillo. Remember, you got questions we got answered. Hit us up on Instagram. We've linked to his in the show notes. Mine, as always, is at Kingsboo, Twitter at Kingsboo. Do not DM me. Just write me on any regular post and I will answer your question. It could be about anything and have no reference to the post. That's fine. As long as I see it, I'll answer it. Ask it a second time if a week goes by and I haven't answered your question. Also, kingsboo.com. Visit the website, leave me your email. You're going to get a supplement list for free as well as a monthly newsletter. Once a month, I'll tell you any and all cool shit that I'm up to, the books that I'm reading, the information I'm gathering, and anything that I find out to be fascinating. Thank you guys for tuning in. Much love to y'all, and I'll see you in a few days.